Hey, hi, hello, welcome. My name's Bryn, and this is Bryn's Avatar Ramblings. As always, before we start, I recommend you watch Avatar The Last Airbender if you haven't seen it already. Uh, there will be major spoilers in this podcast, so if you don't want to be spoiler spoiled, go watch that and then come back here. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about villains in Avatar. And this might seem kind of wishy-washy, this might be kind of like, well, why are we talking about this? Nobody cares. And the main thing I want to touch on is why I think Ozai is actually not a bad villain. Many people think that he's like a bad villain, and I tend to disagree, so I want to talk about why. But to do that, I think it's important to talk about all of the villains, specifically in Atla. I will not be talking about uh, Legend of Korra. I might do that later on, but right now I'm just going to talk about Avatar. So in Avatar, and this might not seem very obvious, but there are there's a different villain for every book. So in book one, the villain is Zhao. In book two, the villain is Azula. And in book three, the villain is Ozai. And so Notice I didn't put Zuko on that list. I don't believe Zuko was ever a villain in the show. I don't think that he ever played a villain role, which is part of why I think his character development, character arc worked so well, which again, I'll talk about that at some point because that is something that I, I really feel strongly about. But in general, I feel that the villains in Atla were more developed than people give them credit for. Because obviously we've got this really, really good, positive, light, quote-unquote, force that we see in the gang, that we see in the people, a lot of the people they come across. And then we also see this, this quote-unquote, like, dark, evil force that we see in the entirety of the Fire Nation, and specifically in those three main villains. But in Avatar, the villains are more complex than that. It's not just good or bad or what is right and what is wrong. There is much more depth to it than that. And so let's start with Zhao, because I feel like Zhao is one of the villains that gets the least amount of screen time. He gets the least amount of development. He doesn't really get a whole lot in terms of being a human in the show, which is really disappointing, but he definitely is the main villain in season one. And the reason I say that is because obviously Zuko and Zhao had a similar goal in season one there. They were both trying to capture the Avatar. However, Zuko rescued Aang. And so along with many other examples that I'm, again, not going to get into right now because this episode isn't really about Zuko, but this alone should distinguish Zhao from Zuko. Because it shows that Zuko didn't really care about Aang being captured, but he really only cared about getting his honor back. So if Aang was being captured and it wasn't by him, he wasn't getting his honor, he wasn't benefiting from that in any way. So it didn't make sense for him to allow that. And so he let Aang go. And so that that distinguishes the motive between Zhao and Zuko. Zhao wanted to capture the Avatar, Zuko wanted to restore his honor in that he needed to capture the Avatar in order to do that, or so he thought. So Zhao wants to capture the Avatar, right? So we see not much. There isn't much for Zhao. I mean, 
we have the Agni Kai between Zhao and Zuko, which is awesome, which again proves because at that point you are rooting for Zuko. You are watching the show and you're rooting for Zuko. And so it really solidifies this Zhao is the villain, not Zuko. From the very beginning, that's like the probably one of the first three or four episodes, I think, in the entire show, is we have this Agni Kai between Zhao, Zhao and Zuko. And it really establishes that Zuko is not the villain Zhao is. And so we have that interaction. We have the interaction with the um, uh, Yuyan archers. We have an interaction. We obviously see Zhao attempt to capture Aang that time, and the Blue Spirit uh, releases him. Um, we get a lot of tiny bits and pieces with Zhao. But overall, there isn't a whole lot to go off of. And that is because it's the first book. It doesn't make sense for them to put time and energy into establishing a villain who will ultimately be sent to the Fog of Lost Souls when they could be focusing on characters that are going to be around the entire show, setting up character arcs, setting up development, showing how bending works, showing how the avatar works, like all of this, all of this information that they spend this time on is so much more important than Zhao. So it makes a lot of sense, but also Zhao is there to, in my opinion, mainly to counteract Zuko, to show that who is really the villain and to show what a villain really looks like in the eyes of Avatar. And so it's, it's, it's just, and then again, we see at the, the, Siege of the North, we see that Zuko and Zhao are fighting again, so it really, yes, Zhao's motive was to capture Aang, and therefore he is the villain of the gang. However, in reality, we see him up against Zuko. Not necessarily more, but with more purpose than up against the gang, right? So we have this, this, this balance of of villainy and and treachery and and what is a friend what is a foe like it really sets up this this establishing line of who is the fire nation why are what are their motives and why is Zuko different from them very early on to the point where it's not necessarily obvious but again I think that that really it bounces off of Zhao very well which is why Zhao was there and so ultimately like I said he's taken to the fog of lost souls however Zuko tries to save him because again Zuko's not the villain so um we kind of we we get we get the season one villain and then obviously Zul is introduced at the end of the very last episode in book one, and so Azula is our villain for book two, which is pretty obvious. We get a lot of inter interaction with Azula. We get a lot of interaction between Azula and the gang, and Azula and Zuko, and Zula, and even her father. But again, that that goes deeper into Azula's psychology, which is on the list of things that I want to talk about at some point. But we really we see Azula as a villain. Azula is a villain. And that's, it's, it's establishing why Azula can't have the same character arc as Zuko. It's establishing why, how they're different, mainly, in a big way. And it's establishing Azula as someone who is manipulative, is cunning, is going to get what she wants no matter what. And that, that mirrors Katara in a lot of ways, which is something that we see 
throughout the entire show, obviously, moving forward. We... Azula as a villain is a very good villain. She's probably, and a lot of people will agree with me, she's the best villain in Atla. She has a more human side that we see occasionally, which is really interesting because why would we need to see that from a villain, right? And so, especially in book three, but even earlier on, we establish Azula as, as manipulative, cunning, and she knows how to get to people. So, like, she try and gets Zuko to come with her as a captive when she manipulates him into believing that his father wants him to come home and uh, all these things. We get so much depth with Azula as a villain that it makes her this very well-developed character and that develops her villainy, right? So it's not just, it's not just Azula being bad all of the time. It's Azula doing what she thinks she has to do. And... Again, I feel like this really builds a, a deeper depth into these villains than people understand because obviously Azula is just trying to capture the Avatar, which we see many times and it's explained very well in the show why that has to happen. But in this capturing, we see more of her reasoning behind her actions and that is to prove her worth to her father, prove her worth to her mother. Just overall, just really demonstrating who she is, right? And so this, this, this balance and this balance from Azula that we get between Azula being a female villain, which she's the only female villain in Atla, and, and her playing off of similarities to Katara and and similarities to Zuko and similarities to Ozai and then in season three and so I don't believe that she is the villain in season three and that's not to say she isn't a villain but she's not playing an active role anymore which can be debated because I, I will say it's not that she's not playing a role at all it's just that her role is more subdued she's not the head of of the party anymore that is that belongs to Ozai by book three but Azula still plays a large role and in book three we get in book three we've had time to establish characters we've had ta time to establish their arcs and plots and where are we going and how is this going to work out and like the, the the weaving of the basket has already started and so by book three we're at we're able to add so much more into atla as a show that we are able to see a humane side of the fire nation and so this this humanity drives home the fact that these people are not bad they are just doing bad things, which drives home again the, the ending conflict of do we kill Ozai, do we not kill Ozai? And Ozai is a little bit different, right? Because in book three, Ozai is the main villain. And he is very different from any other villain that we see because his motive is not as 
obvious. It's not as, as crystal clear as, oh, Zhao wants to capture the Avatar, Zula wants to please her father. What does Ozai want? Because he's not doing this for anybody else. His wife, who he never loved, he banished. His father is dead, but he didn't really look up to him anyways. His brother is, uh, in the thoughts of, of Ozai, a nutcase, and why would he ever want to establish himself as part of a family with him? So what is... What is Ozai's purpose? What is his drive? And that boils down to his psychology. And that's a need to control. Because if you're not in control, then you're losing control. And so with that mentality, Ozai goes into this role as villain, not really want not not really with the same idea that he is. Not really with the idea that he's going in with a goal, but more so with the idea that he is going in with a need to get something out. And he needs to have power. He needs to solidify his reign. He needs to give his life some worth. And that's really interesting because that's not something we really see in any of the other villains in the show. But Ozai has this mentality of if you're not perfect you're not good enough and that's something people in real life have that's not a that's not a character specific thing that's like a real life issue that a lot of people have that if you're not perfect you're not good enough so the fact that Ozai is portraying this is realistic and of course part of where this comes from is Azulan who is Ozai's father it comes from Sozin, it it is a long line of family who has over the years built up this built up this mentality, built up this mentality, built up this mentality, and you see it in Ozai, and you see it in Azula, and this really proves my point that like Ozai is not does not have this mentality to the point where he breaks down like Azula does. When Azula has her mental breakdown, it is a result of these years and years and years of accumulative power and, and need for, for demanding fear and this need to, to have more in life. Ozai has just enough to have a tipping point, and Azula does not. Azula tips. And so, why does this make Ozai an interesting villain? Well, because his motive isn't obvious. We don't really know why he's doing what he's doing. And, and in a kid's show, that's well and fine. Like, we don't need to necessarily talk about motives all of the time, especially when it's like, oh, this person's bad for the sake of being bad. But it's like, there's a lot of the time more to it. And that brings me back to this idea that in the Fire Nation, people are not bad for the sake of being bad, right? There is... Uh, more motive to it. So, for example, we see, and th this is like my favorite example of this, in the Boiling Rock episodes, Zuko is obviously talking to the guards in like the lunchroom or whatever to try and get some info, and we get this little bit about not dating the female guards. And we get a similar exchange, very different, but very similar when Sokka and Suki and Toph are all taking down all the airships in the very last episodes and 
we get to hear about this guy's birthday. Which, obviously, that's a joke because of what Sokka said. But it also, it's lending humanity to an evil or dark force because it is important to teach children that not everything that is bad is purely bad. Right? There is... It's yin and yang. There's there's good in the bad and there's bad in the good. And there's a balance. And there's always this... This balance, and this balance exists even in Ozai, because I believe that Ozai believes he's doing what is right. I don't necessarily think that Ozai thinks what he's doing is wrong, which of course not. But I think Zhao, it's different. It's different with Zhao and it's different with Azul because they're being told what they're doing is right. Nobody is telling Ozai what he's doing is right anymore. Maybe Azulan when he was a kid, but not anymore. So where is this mentality coming from and it is this preconceived notion that we are spreading the prosperity of the fire nation to the rest of the world and so we we really we get this complex deep and and not so obvious side of villainy to ozai and it makes him a deeper villain than Zhao, for sure, and, and maybe even on the same level, maybe just below Azula, because it is no denying that Azula is a, an extremely well-written character, and that as a villain, her motives are very clear, and they are very decisive, and they work very well with her personality and the way she was raised, and everything about Azula really clicks. And with that, as a result, everything about Ozai also clicks. So my point here is that all of these villains in Atla work together without ever really needing to work together in order to prove their motives, to prove their meaning, and to prove their drives. And so what we get from this is something unlike anything else that we really see even in Legend of Korra, I'll go, I'll go as far as to say in Legend of Korra, the villains do not have this same level of mentality that they do in Atla. And I think that's, that's, that really has to do with the way that the Fire Nation was devised in Atla. Because it was a yin and yang situation, the, the good is in the bad, and this... meaning in in these characters and their mental health and their stability and their goals and their aspirations and it is all building up to this idea that they're villains whereas in Legend of Korra these these hopes and aspirations are built around the fact that they're villains and I truly believe that is the difference and I truly believe that is why Ozai is not as bad of a villain as people say he is because he, in the end, he is just a guy who was raised really wrong. And that's not dissimilar to Azula in any way. That's not dissimilar to Azula at all. In fact, they're very similar. And I, I said this before, but because of the way that the Fire Nation royalty raises their family as a result of Sozin, and Sozin's, I could even say as a result of Sozin's relationship with Roku, 
it has led to an accumulation and a building up over time and over families and over generations of this behavior that we see in Ozai and to a, a fuller extent in Azula. And so I guess the other thing that we really need to talk about is, is Azula's role in book three. Because obviously Zhao is the book one villain. He is well and gone by the time book two rolls around. And Azula isn't. She's still around. She's still here. She's still kicking. She's still uh, a major part of the story, really. So what, what, what changed about her role? Well, Azula, she plays a, a more humane role in book three, right? Like she goes to a party and she has her first kiss and she plays volleyball and she we see her getting ready for bed and it takes it from this militaristic character that we see in book two who's riding around on eel hounds or whatever the heck taking over drills and, and being operative to a, a human being wanted to prove that she could be more. So Ozai kind of has something similar where he's around in book one and book two, but obviously he plays a more dormant role. We see him playing a role in Zuko's life and as a, a figure rather than a human until book three, in my opinion. And so as a result, his villainy really only sets in in book three even though we know from the very beginning that the goal is to defeat the fire nation and to do that we need to take down the fire lord it it's it all it's all kind of there but that's um that's really the heart of what i have to say about the villains in atla i encourage you and i i always i'm gonna make you guys watch atla like 60 trillion times by the time this podcast has run its course but if you haven't already watched Atla, watch it. If you have watched Atla, watch it again and think about the Fire Nation in a less evil and more yin and yang light. And think about Azula as a human in book two and as a villain in book three. And think about Ozai as a human rather than a figure. And uh, Zhao can hang out because his role was really to impact Zuko and to set Zuko apart from a villain. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you had a good time. And if you did, feel free to watch more episodes. I've got a couple more set up. So if you want to click on those, that would be awesome. If not, I hope I will see you next time and watch Avatar. All right. Thank you guys so much. See ya.